You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. It is eight minutes now before four o'clock. We're in conversation next with the Minister of Social Development, Lindy Wezulu, as learners and educators prepare for the start of the 2024 academic year. Earlier today, the Minister um, handed over desktops to five local schools in Mpumalanga, and she also urged teenage mothers to go back to school to break the cycle of poverty. Meanwhile, more than 70,000 beneficiaries are still waiting to receive their January social grants uh, from the South African Social Security Agency. The Minister is now joining us on the line. Minister, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Yes, good afternoon and compliments of the new season. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Compliments to you as well, Minister. Speak to us, Minister, about this outreach program and why it is important to have these desktops being delivered to these schools. Well, maybe let me not start with the desktops because the most important one that we had uh, this morning started with the Sizimisele Youth Centre where you have young people who have completed their metric, some of whom did not complete metric, they go to that center to go and be assisted with writing their CVs and uh, being assisted to look for jobs. And I was very happy to see that on the wall, I saw um, jobs that are being offered to them by the different companies that are here, where the mining companies that are here, that's not adequate. We want uh, much more than that. That for me was very important because this is a center that was started by unemployed. Five youths who are unemployed, they decided they were not going to sit, they were going to do something and assist uh, those youths. And then after that, we went to uh, Imemeza Secondary School where we were speaking to the young people as they preparing for going back to school. Um, it was beyond just giving those um, uh, computers, it was also about having conversations with them about their future and the opportunities will, they will have if they stick to being in school, and in particular the young girls uh, and boys, because it takes two to tango, no woman gets pregnant on her own or girl gets pregnant, having the conversation with them about how the future can be better for them if they don't rush into having unprotected sex and then ending up uh, having children that they have not even planned for. And and specifically on that particular aspect, when it comes to teenage pregnancy, one of the stories that we've covered on the show was um, children being impregnated um, by teachers themselves and being raped as well, because in some cases we're speaking here about, about statutory rape. But the other element that was brought up is that once there is this allegation of statutory rape, unfortunately, some families are willing to accept money that would come from the perpetrator to not pursue the case. From the social development department, how do you approach this particular conversation? Because um, the dignity of the girl child has already been impaired. Firstly, the conversation must start at home. And one of the things we're finding uh, even with the conversations we had with the young people here, was the fact there's hardly any conversation at home about uh, reproductive health rights, about uh, prevention, uh, about what sex, what is sex, what are the results of having unprotected sex by uh, young children. The conversation is not happening, not in the family, not in the community. So encouraging that conversation to happen. And fortunately, in the school also, we had the school governing body. So we're able to have conversation with the chair and the principal of the school to say to them, don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't think that these children don't know. Don't allow that they are taught by other people other than yourself and their parents at home. So the fact of the matter is that, yes, it is some families 
better accept, but I, I, I'm happy to say that there's very, that it's diminishing the number of families that are now accepting that because we've got community-based organizations that are going around working together with the Department of Social Development to help our communities understand it is actually too painful to even imagine a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old giving birth to a child. And you rightfully say these children are not made pregnant by 10-year-olds or boys or or, or 12-year-old boys. They are made pregnant by men who should be looking at them, at them as children. Therefore, the conversation must happen within communities. That's what we encourage. Because it's one thing for Minister Zulu to land in Belfast and be having these talks, it's another to then leave the communities without their community-based organizations, the local government structures, the schools, the teachers, the parents, continuing with the conversation so that children can be appreciative. These children are also seeing some of these things happening within their parents, and they think it is fine, whereas it is not fine. Statutory rape, uh, we have a problem where there's, no, there's very little reporting uh, and I'm having this discussion now with the department to say we must talk to the Department of Health. We must talk to the hospitals. We must talk to the clinics because it is not right also for the caregivers or the nurses and everyone. I know they will go and tell me about the constitutional rights and all that. For them to be knowing that there's a 10-year-old who comes to the clinic, uh, but they never report it as something that shouldn't be happening. We need to close rank in that one and end this thing of having uh, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, and 12-year-olds having babies. It's actually a big shame on us. If we don't deal with it, it, it really is just not a good thing to happen to our children. Another one, Minister, um, the ANC's January 8th statement celebrations are happening in Mpumalanga. Then you have these desktops that are being handed over. How do you ensure that there is a delinking between your duties as the Minister of Social Development and your work as an ANC member? Because some people may just look at this and say that, ah, it's the ANC's in Mpumalanga, and here they are using state resources while actually on an ANC campaign. Look, I'm not here in Belfast on an ANC campaign when it comes to going to the areas where I'm going to be delivering services of government. I'm here, yes, you cannot take away from me the fact that I'm a member of the African National Congress. You cannot take away from the fact that I'm a minister who's appointed by the African National Congress. You cannot take away what the African National Congress is. As an ANC, we took that firm decision that you must double up as ministers. You cannot come here and only go for celebration at the stadium, knowing perfectly well that there are service delivery issues that need to be dealt with. So I'm here. I started. I start doing the work of the government that is necessary because it is an opportune moment for me. Because remember that as ministers, we are demanded to go to all these provinces. You go to provinces. You go to uh, districts. You go to all this. So whenever you get an opportunity to be in a place, whether you've come. Uh, for the celebration of the ANC, you cannot be blind to the fact that our people need these services and this is an opportune moment for us to go and do that. So I very much separated the two. When I went to do my government work, which is given to me by the Constitution, by the fact that the ANC was also elected to be in government, I've been doing my work, which is related to government, and I must do that 
take advantage of the opportunity that we happen to be here. Yep. It's very difficult for us as ministers to really split ourselves to all these places. But once you get to a place, you have a constitutional obligation as a minister of whatever ministry you are to go see what the people are crying out about in as far as government services are concerned. Minister, quickly on the 70,000 beneficiaries who haven't been paid as yet, what's the update there? Thank you very much. I found some of the beneficiaries when I was doing my work in Belfast um, day one when I arrived here and I visited the Sasa offices. I went to the Sasa offices and found that there were a few beneficiaries who had not been paid. And those that I found there, it was very clear that they changed their banking details. And when you change your banking details, you cannot expect government to automatically know that you've changed your banking details. You've got to be able to report properly that you've changed your banking details so that at the end of the day, we are also not accused of sending money or giving money to wrong bank accounts and wrong ID numbers. So the 70,000 that did not receive their grants on the basis of some of them, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm talking about the ones that I physically found in the office in Belfast, they did confirm to me that yes, they changed their banking details, but they did not come to the offices. That's why at that day they were in the offices because they need to change. But what I think going ahead in future, I'm asking Sasa to find a way of doing these things electronically where people can be able to send their, say they've changed their banking details, be able to lock that in somewhere so that they don't have to all the time physically be going to the offices because it's costly also for them to go to the offices. So we need to improve the system, make it easy for our people. Thank you so much, Lindy Wezulu, is the Minister of Social Development.